The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. What's up, Monday? Will Cain here on the show. The Tyrod Taylor War on social media this Sunday. Tyrod gets benched. People are debating whether or not he deserved to be benched. Nathan Peterman steps in and vomits on himself, <laughs> throws five picks. It was ugly, and Tyrod Taylor became an all-pro yesterday afternoon. So I know people think predictably, because I've never really known what to make of Tyrod Taylor. I, I went with Andy Benoit, who who joined us early and said, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff out there. It was like a month ago. He goes, he's probably going to get benched at some point. We'll see what happens. And it couldn't have gone worse for Sean McDermott. So now this becomes this football debate, and I'm looking at stats, and I'm going, what's real? Who do I trust? Where are the lines drawn? And really, that's not what this is, is it? No. No, you know what this is. I was afraid to admit and to agree with you what this is, but um, you're right. This isn't a football debate anymore, is it? Mm -mm. What is? What are we left with? It's really pure. Pat's defense improvement. We're doing that story a lot, aren't we? (laughs) Like, why can't we? No, man. Everything's a proxy. Everything's a shadow game. Everything's a fight about something else. And Tyrod Taylor versus Nathan Peterman is our latest in the identity politics of today. So this is about race. I mean, do you really think it's about Tyrod's QBR? It is to me. But does that mean because I'm a white guy and I'm going, I can understand why they want to try something different, even though it went terribly wrong? Does it mean I just don't get it? You know, you don't, you can't play innocent on this because you know it. The minute you were, you were sitting around with me before the show, we were rehashing how this debate devolved yesterday on social media, how everybody ran into their camps, everybody pointing at each other going, see, see, I told you, I always knew. And other people going, no, it wasn't that good. And this, and, you knew that that bickering, that fighting, that crossfire, the finger pointing. The minute I said, man, you know that's not about football. You're like, you're right. I did. That's exactly what I said. I was trying to figure out a way to do this as a, a football topic. I was trying to figure out a way that you could sit there. I can give you, if I was pro Tyrod, I can give you all sorts of stats today to tell you I'm right. And you it, could a week ago as well. Yep. And if I'm anti-Tyrod, I got an index card full of those two. Okay, And you did this week ago as well. Yep. And we had Andy Benoit on over a month ago. We played this again this past week when he ended up being benched. The announcement that he was going to be benched and Benoit from Sports Illustrated, who I think is terrific on this stuff, said this about Tyrod's game. Every game, more than any other QB in the league, Tyrod Taylor's leaving guys open on the field unattempted. He's not processing. He's not seeing. He's not a full field progression reader. And he's also not an anticipation thrower. And that's a bad mix. You have to really simplify the offense and build around him. now. Okay, so we had that from him, and then I saw some of our trusted NFL people here. Bill Barnwell, who basically, I feel like, cites the Benoit take of, in a tweet, he goes, well, supposedly Tyrod had been leaving all these throws wide open. Barnwell's a pro-Tyrod guy. Um, Mina Kimes is pro-Tyrod. I, I guess, I don't know, is it is it that weird that if the staff, by the way, a second staff, a second front office that wasn't all in on Tyrod, that they wanted to see what a quarterback could do as a replacement, is it that weird of a concept? But uh, nobody cares about that now. Nobody cares no, about no, no, that no, no, now no, because no. Peterman yeah. was a disaster. Yeah, and so therefore it must be about deeper issues. You know, 
the truth of the matter is, when you and I sat down a week ago with the news that Tyrod Taylor was going to be benched, I found myself on the Barnwell and Kimes side of this debate initially because the numbers back up that Tyrod, at the very least, is an Alex Smith-level game-managing quarterback. Ten touchdowns to three interceptions. One of the top ten QBR in 2015 and 2016. The numbers are there to tell you this guy can get it done for you, including a 5-4 and four record. But you listen to guys that watch the, the, the famed All-22, the yeah. tape that coaches see, the tape of the plays as they break down, and you come away with a take like Benoit's that says, you know what? Tyrod is playing safe. Tyrod is getting some things done. But he's not getting everything done, including the game plan and the plays they're hoping he can make. And at some point, the Bills staff, and by the way, as you point out, the previous Bills staff decided, we got to see if we can get something better. Both of our takes, I believe, yours and mine last week was this. It makes sense then for the Bills to move on from Tyrod at some point. My take was, I'm not sure it is right now, because I don't know what Nathan Peterman has in his bag. And we found out on Sunday. Okay, we found out for one afternoon it was a terrible, terrible decision. Uh, people were also mad at McDermott for not owning it right after the game. Here's the head coach of the Bills. You know, again, I felt like this was the right situation for Nate to come in and play. And um, and so, I, like I said before, I, I don't regret my decision. I regret the result. We didn't get the result we were looking for. Um, so uh, I don't regret the re- decision at all. In all seriousness, do you think Sean McDermott went home last night and just kind of sunk his head into his hands, kind of gathered up his hair into his fists, and just like, whoa. Okay, but do you that think... That have gone worse well, for of me course. today. Like, he, his best friend is getting the text being like, backfired. Okay, but well, for the well, public, well, well, the public that wanted him to sit there and be like, you're right, I fall on my sword. That was a huge mistake. He's not doing that because he can't do it to Peterman. He can't, he can't sit there like, come on, people. You've been watching this stuff long enough. The coach in that spot is not going to give you the public apology that you demand. I think, though, Ryan, the appropriate indictment of McDermott is timing. It's not decision. It's when you make the decision. Because think about the pickle he's in now. You're right. If you move on from Peterman, you have destroyed him. I mean, talk about what McDermott did last night. Think about Peterman. I can only picture that he was sitting in his house with, like, eyes glazed over, thousand-yard stare. You know, TV isn't on, but staring at it. Just over and over, replaying those five interceptions. I mean, he'll be destroyed. But on the other hand, Tyrod, man, how about that relationship? It's got to be completely destroyed already. And how do you go back and say, hey, can we date again? But if he doesn't I think that's go to Tyrod. Well, I think okay. all that stuff's overrated. What if like, he doesn't go, go to Tyrod, there. man? What about the rest of the locker room? Okay, well, the rest of the locker room gets the apology it seems like the public wanted. Uh, with Will Kane today, the Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio. Uh, Timing is the indictment. All right, that's, not, not the ultimate decision. When? Okay, but then I'd ask you, is McDermott that stupid? Is he that stupid as the head coach with that staff, with that front office to go, are these guys all just dumb football people that made a huge mistake based on who Tyrod the quarterback is? I don't think so. And I think that McDermott has done a good job this year, but let me ask you this. I can accept one of two premises. Peterman looked good in practices, looked good in film, Looked good watching tape, looked good on the chalkboard, and then completely messed the bed yesterday in a way they hadn't seen, or they ignored warning signs during the week all season long. Yeah, it's not like no one has ever made a mistake as a head coach here and that we hadn't been critical of it. But the Tyrod thing is extra. It's extra because of his comment saying it's just tougher for a black quarterback, the pieces that came out last week. But you know, when you talk about Vince Young not getting another shot at it, is is that 
oppression or is that a league going, we don't think you can add anything to our football team? When Tyrod Taylor is bailed on by Doug Whaley, the previous general manager, and now this general manager in front office, and when Tyrod could go out and openly negotiate with the rest of the NFL and the rest of the league goes, you know, that's a pretty good number you're going to get from the Bills even though you're taking a pay cut. Like, we're, we like you maybe, but not really that much. Like, is that is that doubting the quarterback because of of, of, of a race issue? Or is that no, the yeah. league? Okay, but again, as, as you and I, know, I will, I know, will I ask know. that question, it I'll have a chunk of the audience today going, how do you two guys not get it? Here we go again. Up, oh. You know, it's just funny, like, when... When you and I talk about these, I already know what it's going to be that Will Kane and Ryan Rosillo don't get it. So that means 32 teams bailed on it. And I know the Kaepernick is the counter. The Kaepernick is a very specific resistance to bringing him back for issues that are beyond his ability as a football player. So that's that's not really the same thing here. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Will Kane and Ryan Rosillo don't get what? We don't get the, the oppressed Tyrod black Taylor. quarterback. Yeah, look, Tyrod Taylor, and this is the ultimate in treating someone as an individual or treating someone as their position is, Tyrod Taylor is the same quarterback he is, to, he is today that he was a week ago and that he was seven weeks ago, right? And that's the one that you point out, 32 teams passed on, two different Buffalo Bills regimes, including this one said, this isn't our future. What Tyrod Taylor is not is a different quarterback today because Nathan Peterson was awful. Yeah, that Peter- did not change Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Peterman. What I say? You said Peterson, but you're right. That's the other thing that it becomes now. Like, oh, how did you do? Like, I understand a team trying to do this, and now it's backfired, and they have to own that mistake. But they don't have to own it to us as much as they have to own it to the locker room. That's going. What are you totally. doing to us? As you mentioned, the timing of the decision. But yesterday, if you were pro Tyrod. He somehow magically became a much better quarterback than the debated kind of gray area, inconsistent quarterback that he has been, that two front offices were going to be okay if he moved on from. And that take yesterday that you're referencing, that you saw so much of, would never validate moving on from Tyrod Taylor. It would say you should never move on from this guy. And all you are saying, and I'm saying, I think, is the timing is what's suspect, not the decision. The Rosilla Show with Will Kane today, presented by Progressive Insurance. More, independ- uh, more independent agents sell Progressive Insurance than any other brand. Find an agent at Progressive.com. Now that's Progressive. What do you root for and really against to feel better, but also breaking news regarding Baker Mayfield, an announcement from Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley. That news, that news just came down. We'll share that news with you coming up next here with Will Kane on ESPN Radio. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Baker Mayfield won't start or be a captain against West Virginia, but he will play in their regular season finale. With Will Kane today, the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. Tyra Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. Here is Lincoln Riley, Sooners head coach. Come to the decision after thinking about it here over the last few days. Uh, a couple things are going to happen. Uh, Baker won't be a captain uh, for this game, uh, which is a big deal to him. I know, especially and for our team, because of the t- kind of leader he is, and this is the last time that he gets to do it on Owen Field. Uh, he also will not start this game, but he will play. Wonder what that means. One series. What do you think he sits for? Uh, yeah, West Virginia is pretty good. So we're not going to sit long. Lost their quarterback this past weekend, so they're somewhat compromised. But you're right. West Virginia went into this weekend ranked, I think, 24th. They're, they're formidable. And this yeah. is a game the Sooners cannot lose if they want to remain the college football playoff picture. So I'm going with a series at most. <laughs> well, there's not much less than a series. Mm, a play. 
A play? I don't. I don't think it would be a play. This is Baker, man. I mean, if you didn't see the video of it, he is on the sideline. He's saying, "Come on, come get some." If I'm a 290 pound lineman, I couldn't. I would love to get him in an alleyway. All right. If I'm like a big dude that he's mouthing off to, I'd be like, "Please fight me." Um, but he took it. Kansas was weird. Kansas at the coin toss, the beginning, refused to shake his hand, and so he's like, "All right, fine, it's on." I mean, you're Kansas. You guys are terrible. And then there was a cheap shot on him. And then he was on the sideline. So I'm not excusing his behavior because his behavior has always been kind of in this this lane for a long time. I thought he was getting a little bit better. I felt like last year when he would be hit, he'd complete a pass and he'd get hit, and he'd always mouth off to the defensive player. But you grab your junk, you go, hey, let's do it. You know you're going to be catching repercussions from this because the camera's always on you, and that's something he even said when he apologized himself after the game. Baker was a punk. Baker was classless. Baker did not take himself out of the Heisman running, as some people have posited or wondered about. I understand the Heisman has sort of... Easier word. What? What? No, you you went vocab on me there. Oh, I did? Yeah. Which one? Opined? No. Posited. Yeah, posited. posited. Yeah. Um, People have pointed out that it has an integrity component to it. All right. He did what football players do. He got cocky. He got vulgar. He shouldn't have. He's still the Heisman Trophy winner sitting in the clubhouse. Um, Why do you think Kansas did that? By the way, there was the not shake your hand before the game. There was the cheap shots during the game. That sounds like a conversation in a meeting room before the game. Hey, Baker's a little mouthy. Baker can get pulled out of his game. Let's maybe see if we can get inside Baker's head. I'm sure there's going to be some Kansas fan that reminds us of something that nationally the media is all forgetting. No one cares. You're Kansas. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one cares. I, you know, like, what are you going to do? Oh, Baker, like, he's going to be intimidated by this whole thing? And we've had plenty of Heisman winners before where they were dealing with stuff that kind of questioned who they were as people that have won the Heisman. So, I don't know. I, I don't know how long he's going to be out. But Oklahoma's not going to screw up a chance to win for, or at least play in the playoff. Here's Lincoln Riley. Uh, I would also say that, uh, you know, despite this, no, no matter how, how long I go coaching, uh, whatever the rest of my career ends up being like, uh, I don't know that I'll ever have a player that's as special to me uh, as he is. And, uh, and we've been through a lot together, and uh, he's, a, he's a tremendous teammate. He's the best football player in America. He's got a great heart that a lot of people don't get the chance to see like I do, and I'm, I'm proud as hell to be his coach. So a little choked up there from the head coach, Lincoln Riley. How about that? Riley also said, I guess, in the announcement that he suspended the beginning of the game that he's not going to be out for long. <laughs> so maybe it is a play. What is the over-under? If it's a play, does Lincoln Riley get killed? Yeah, he's not going to do a play, man. But would he, what, what would the, just... just but, but that's one of those things where you get killed, and I'd be like, I don't care. I don't care. I, if I were the head coach, I'd be like, oh, no, you guys going to tweet all day? I have no integrity. <laughs> Trying to win a national championship here. By the way, the quote apparently, excuse me, the quote actually, because I had it up here on the screen, is that Lincoln Riley's saying he won't say how long he'll be out for. But that's one of the that's one of those deals where there's the public scrutiny where you go, hey, how are you going to handle this? You know, what are you going to do here? Are you gonna... Oh, so I need I need to do what? Sit him down until you've determined, stranger, the person that has nothing to do with this program, the person that doesn't know my quarterback. Like I have to appease you, person that I will never interact with. Quit pointing at me. No, I just you were the only one in the room. 
So when would you be appeased, stranger? Uh, I'm not a big, you know, guys do stuff. So I, I wouldn't, you know, if he sat out a series, I wouldn't send off a tweet be like, what kind of mess? My kids. My kids are watching. Take it the other way, though, now. Okay. One play. Weak. Weak Lincoln. I would never send that tweet. I would never send that tweet. I just think that's such a layup tweet. Like, when you tweet out, LeVar Ball, Donald Trump is what we need. That's what America needs right now. How do you hit send on it? It's the least original tweet of all time. It's true. And then you get like 10,000 retweets. Oh, Trump versus LeVar Ball. That's exactly the conflict America needs. That's how you do it. Yeah. Because you're going for those 10,000 retweets. Do something else. Okay. So, yeah. All right. so what I are you going to tweet? What are you going to tweet if Baker only does a play? Me? Yeah. Oh, some leadership. You're turning me into making an argument I'm not making. I know. It was fun, though, for a little while. Uh, Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LT networks. You were looking at me either. You were looking that way, but yeah, doing it to me, I could feel it. So Rudy wouldn't send that tweet. We didn't even lead with LeVar Ball Trump today. Are you surprised? When are we going to get to that? Not soon enough, apparently. <laughs> Between all the issues we have, Baker, how does he stack up against other Heisman guys, the benching of Tyrod, LeVar versus... Donald, the president of the, the, United, the president States. Of the United States, or Marshawn loves Mexico. I was looking up the poverty rates throughout the world today. That's how I prep for my show. What did you do? <laughs> In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard. The bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how GEICO not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to GEICO is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Show. Little travel update, but it has to do with sports, so we'll do that a little bit later. Um, we're all being lied to, and I'm trying to help out. We also had this thing we wanted to do on things you kind of root for selfishly, the outcome, but we have so much stuff going on. UCLA firing Jim Mora, uh, the Baker Mayfield news that we just had. we got Ryan Clark, though, joining us here in studio with Will Kane, giving you the Straight Talk. Baker? Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. They traded him. <laughs> but he can't do that. Uh, he's going to be suspended at the beginning of the game. We don't know for how long. Not good enough for you. Doesn't need to be done. Oh, the other way. I could tell. You thought it was going that way? Yeah. I could tell this was a... See, Ryan's a baller. I should exactly have known that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, like the cameras catch certain things, and Baker is... Baker's Baker. Like, he... This is kind of the way he behaves. But there's so, so much you can, worse... You can that, do stuff, like, and then eventually we just have to get over it? 
I'm not. No, I'm but, not but isn't, him. No, I'm saying, but isn't that what we do in life with people we like? Right? Like yeah. Greg Popovich. Right? We get we got over it. Like he gets to be a jerk and he gets to answer questions when he wants to answer questions and and not cooperate during during the third quarter interview and we let it go. I like your other argument better. <laughs> I don't like Baker as Baker, therefore let's just get over it. I like the no, one where I, you no, were headed, which no, is there's way worse going I, no, on. No, I didn't I didn't I, I'm not he said that. Uh, I'm not saying I that, but, but you, you said, so we should just let him do it. We should just get over it. Beggar's beggar and let him get over it. I didn't say that. You said that. But what I was saying is, don't we do that anyway? Um, we do protect people we like. Uh, well, I guess I guess my point, like the Charles Barkley theory that I always talk about, is eventually when you're just yourself long enough, then people accept it and they go, okay, whatever. Right, I'm not but I mean, get I mad think, about you anymore. I think, I think it's, it's, you know, people, people it, it depends on like things people can see themselves doing or things that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people and looking at a Baker Mayfield and saying and seeing what they think quarterbacks are supposed to be, he doesn't fit that mold. Right. And in the way that he behaves, sometimes you don't people don't want their quarterback to act that way. They want their quarterback to behave like Peyton Manning or how they perceive right. Tom Brady behaves. And these are not the actions of that type of guy. I figured it as a football player, your argument was going to be, you know, on the scale of pearl clutching moments. This is so low. It's oh, not even one of them. <laughs> No, no, I no that that's that's we're in for agreement sure. on that one. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not that big of a deal. But I'm just saying, just in you know, when you start to expand the conversation on how we allow people to behave and the reason our sensibilities are touching certain things, I think it plays into the fact that Baker Mayfield is a quarterback. I think we're actually all kind of on the same page here. Um, I understand why they did it. I'm not a big suspend him guy. I can understand people being upset about it. I just don't want outrage guy. And none of us are outraged, so I don't think no, we have we to go. Okay, the tie rod thing led the show today. There's an easy way to do this. I want to try to dig a little bit deeper. What would you be thinking if you were on that Bills team after what happened yesterday? That I wish they would have stuck with Nathan Peterman. The really? Whole game. Yes. In the second half. Let him throw 15 of them. <laughs> right? Because, because because for, for, for me then it makes me feel like you had and have a plan. Switching right back to Tyrod, let me know that you're just flying by the seat of your pants and we don't really have one guy making a decision. Because when you go out and you make a decision, when when you really, when you watch the film and assess your team and assess your quarterback and you say, you know what, I don't necessarily know if he's the guy to take us where we need. I don't think he's the guy to take us where we need to be. We need to see if Nathan Peterman is then you stick with them because you're not coming back to win that game anyway. And so what you what you say to me is, you know what, we made this decision to go with Tyrod because without Tyrod because we're done with him. We're done with him and we want to see what we have moving forward. And now you understand what the team is doing. I'm not saying I think to bench Tyrod in the beginning was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. But once you make the wrong decision, ride with it. Show me that your plan was – We've gone as far as we can go with him, and whether we lose the next next eight games or not, we're sticking with Nathan Peterman because now we know we need to move on from both of these guys because we don't have the answer in this locker room. I think Ryan and I are with you on when you move on from Tyrod, you're moving on from him for good. But, Ryan, don't you at some point have to go, this is such a complete 
mess. This is such mm-hmm. a complete failure. It cannot go on for another moment. And by the way, I think five interceptions approaches that. Would you have argued that the Cowboys should have stuck with Chaz Green six sacks into that experiment, replacing no, Tyron Smith? I do not. Or you say when something's that bad, we got to change it up. Yeah, when something when something is that bad at a position like tackle, at every other position in the world, yes, I do. But when you make quarterback decisions in this league, it's a different rule book you play by. It's the one position in this league that can change entire teams. Uh, obviously, tackle has changed that team, but we can scheme around a tackle. Alfred Morris was still able to run the football. They didn't give up a almost a record-setting sack performance. They got better at that position. They understood some things differently schematically last night. At quarterback, when you go from a guy who hasn't played his way out of the position, because he hadn't. Five you, interceptions isn't playing. I'm talking away. about Tyrod Taylor. Oh. And Tyrod Taylor, he didn't play his way out of the, the position. So when you made that decision, you didn't have the, the facts and the film to back it up that, that Nathan Peterman was going to be a better quarterback, that Tyrod Taylor's play was costing you football games, that because of the way he was playing, you weren't in position to be a playoff team. Because all those things were there. You were a playoff team where you sat. Tyrod Taylor's play wasn't the reason you were losing football games. He didn't give up 47 points himself to the New Orleans Saints. So when you made that decision, it meant you were making it based off of something other than facts, something other than film. You were making it off of feeling you had. So if you had that feeling, you better stick with it and have a plan for that feeling because we already knew it was the wrong decision. So when you bring me the wrong decision, you have to bring it to me with the plan. He don't have one. And so now I'll question your leadership. We got Ryan Clark with us. Before we say goodbye, um, the Vikings. Oh, I it so quick. I'm not talking so much. No, this is good. Vikings, great record, good team, great record, great team. Great record, good team. You For like now. them, but you're still – I like them. I what's... do like them because I think they're exceptional defensively. I think defensively they can really go uh, – when Case Kingdom, who's playing extremely well – has to be asked about every game because not only do we have questions about him, his own coaching staff does. It's hard to take that team as a great team without that great player at that position. I mean, this is your friend. You smell really good today. Thank you very much. I mean, we've had some strange conversations about me on this show, so I think that's pretty cool. We have. Deal with it. We just we want you to know that no topic is out of bounds. <laughs> I appreciate it. Over here. Okay. Nice. <laughs> hey, Will's in. Uh, coming up next. I want pilots, major commercial pilots, to call into the show. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Because Ryan's about to go in. Okay, I'm not. I shouldn't call out all pilots, and I kind of did in the tweet, and I didn't mean to, but I was lied to on a flight. And we're all lied to, but this lie was so bad that I actually had to say something about it. And I want to hear from pilots. Because then some pilots said, you don't want to know the truth. You can't handle it. So I'll tell the story coming up next. Will Kane, The Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. The Ryan Rosillo Show. I was out of Penn State. Lovely little campus. Uh, it was cold. It was the Friday before Thanksgiving. So, you know, good to see LeVar Arrington, local legend. Also Derek Williams, Nissan Heisman House. All that stuff's great. So I'm flying out of Penn State yesterday morning. And we're a little delayed. NBD. We get to Philly. Okay? We get to Philly's airport and we land. And as somebody who travels, I would say, 20 weekends or more a year, I've got this thing down. I'd like to have a button handed out to certain people that fly enough when you're going through security. It says, I don't need to hear about the laptop, shoes, and belt. I got this. 
wait for me to screw it up before you have to tell me. I'm going to save you some time. Got it. You're there like George be, Clooney in the, in the air up there. Yeah. Right? You, there should be some sort of button be like, I know about the belt, shoes, and laptop. Okay? But I've also noticed whenever you're delayed, pilots, not all, but a lot of you lie. You lie to us all the time. And I think it's a lot like the corporate world where I'll say to you, I could tell you the truth now and deal with conflict, or I could make you even more mad in two months when you find out the truth. So what happens is instead of a pilot going, yeah, we're a little backed up here, folks. We're going to be sitting here for probably an hour, and there's no fresh air, so you sit back and enjoy. <laughs> it's always this instead. Hey, we're uh, we're hearing from the tower. We're going to be delayed about five, ten minutes. Uh, we'll get you up in the air here as soon as we can. Twenty minutes goes by. You're like, hey, what's up with this five, ten minute thing? Hey, sorry about that. We're just getting some uh, filing off some paperwork. We had a little electrical thing here, so we just got you know five, ten minutes before push off. And you could be sitting there a couple hours, okay? But they'll never say, hey, we're at least an hour away from takeoff. Settle in. Because I think they're worried about what's going to happen. And your so, premise is they know. They know. They already know, man. They're not getting five minutes, ten minutes from the tower. They're getting, hey, man, you guys are foobard. Absolutely. And right? They're saying, we're flying this part in from Muskogee. And this is going to take a while, so yeah. just keep those people at bay and don't let mutiny happen. Uh, Rick overslept. He met some girls in Newark, and uh, we're trying to get him a car service over here to LaGuardia. But this is going to take a minute. All right? <laughs> so why don't you guys grab a brochure and... Uh, See if you can't find some lawn gnomes to order online. <laughs> All right, so you're just jammed up. So I land in Philly, and everybody's freaking out because we've already been delayed in the way. And I'm not doing, like, I don't like people complaining about stuff. You know, when people complain about Delta, I go, what? You're complaining about Delta? So we land in Philly, and the pilot goes, All right, folks, uh, we've got a slight delay here with the gate. It sounds like the boys back at the terminal are caught up in the Eagles game, and that's causing a lot of traffic coming through, and uh, you know how football is, so uh, we'll see if we can't pry those guys away from the television set. And you were like, all right, now I'm I'm losing it. I lose it. I go. Sports experts on board. Yeah, okay. You're not pulling this over on me. I'm looking around going, who's coming with me? McGuire style. Going like. (laughs) It's noon Eastern. The game hasn't even started yet. That game isn't in Philadelphia. And, oh, by the way, when it's in Dallas, it starts in eight and a half hours. It's the worst lie going. And nobody else is as mad at me. Like I'm like, who who else is? Can you believe this guy? They were, yeah. they were sports experts like you. Not one guy. Not one person on the flight is going, erroneous, erroneous. Drink. So it wasn't the lie. It wasn't being delayed. It happens, okay? It happens, folks. That ticket doesn't guarantee you stress-free connections. It's part of the deal, and I'm okay with that. I'm accepting of it. I'm even accepting of, we don't know what the hell's going on, but the gate isn't ready, so settle in. Okay, okay, time, time, time. So I said something. Whoa, to the pilot? To the group on the way out. I go, hey, you guys need some new material. That gate kicks off 830, and it's in Dallas. What do you say? They knew. They're like, ooh. He didn't have an excuse? No. They're like, who brought... Did you hold your ground? Who brought parcels? <laughs> did you say it passing by, or did you hold your ground and make eye no, contact? No, I passed by. I was in the front, so I was like, we're out of here. Not first class. It was... It was. Uh... All right, so let's go to Chris in Chicago. Chris flies... I don't, Chris, should we say where you fly? Uh, nah. All right, that's a no. <laughs> I almost did it. So how uh, how off base am I with everything? Uh, not at all. <laughs> so you lie to us. Um, stretch, I would say, in legal terms for Will. 
<laughs> well, but Chris, would you explain it? So is it that you get the information? Oh my God, guys, we're so far behind. This could be an hour and a half. And you come on then and tell us 15 minutes repeatedly? Well, usually we're just the messenger and we get our information from air traffic control or from the airport that says the gate's not ready. So usually we're just a messenger for uh, Ryan. I think it was a bad joke by a, probably a dork pilot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line of the show. Um, no, you're you're right. He thought he was going to be funny. He's like, I'm going to relate to everybody. A little, you know. Yeah, he blew it. Well, Chris, now I need to know this. Now, why are you lying to us? Is it in the manual that you're trying to stave off a mutiny if you tell us it's going to be an hour and a half? Why do you string us along in 15 to 20-minute increments? Uh, Well, I think it's an update thing. Well, I think we get an update, and then we get another update, and we get another update. If the plane's broke, I'll tell you. That's my policy. Everybody's different, but, I mean, because we don't get paid if the plane's not moving either, right? So we want the plane to go. We want to get home, too, so... We have no interest in sitting there either, so All right, <laughs> it doesn't behoove well, us to make angry passengers either. Can I ask Chris one more question? No, we got James. Oh, I, okay. I got, sorry, sorry Chris, Chris. This was awesome, and, and considering your home your home city of Chicago, you've had enough problems as it is already. All right, let's go to James in Columbus, who flies from my favorite airline. James, what is, what is protocol here? Uh, it's all about managing expectations. And most of the time, like the other caller, uh, some guys try to throw in some humor. That usually doesn't work out too well. But if it's like a maintenance problem, we get word from maintenance. And they say, oh, it's five minutes. Paperwork always takes about three times as long as they say. So you just have to manage those expectations. And you say half hour. (laughs) Here's my question, James. Do you sometimes get assigned to a co-pilot? You're like, oh, I got Tim. And you know Tim. He thinks he's Seinfeld on the mic. You guys know the guy. It's like he really works the mic a little bit too much. Oh yeah, and it depends what what seat you're in. If it's if it's your if you're the first officer, and you're flying with a captain, that's like that. They're in charge of the ship, and you just have to roll with how they how they operate. All right, thank you, James. Appreciate the honesty there from the pilots. So what do we but, do? What, what do we do with this information? They're saying that they're the messenger and that they're being told. So we should have some air traffic guys on. Yeah, th- you're right. They're saying they're not liars. Yeah, they're saying the air traffic's lying to them. A lot of people agreed with my premise, and they're like, you know what? You, you're right. Like, why is it always five, ten minutes, and then it never is? And then I had a pilot go, "You don't want to know what we know." I was like, "Well, now I definitely want to know." Well, now we need air traffic guys to call in because the blame has been shifted to them. Push you know what they're going to do? Remember that movie? They're going to push it onto the mechanics. Yeah, they'll blame them. All right, coming up next, UCLA, better job than Florida? Some think it is. It's ESPN Radio. Now that Human Resources VP Ashley Campbell has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's managing her workforce like a rock star. She even has her own hype song. I'm the spark before the fire. I'm the power in the train. I have a really diverse workforce with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Now we're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger.
Brian Rossillo Show. I think we should do what we just did more often. We've got this three-hour spot here. It's a little tough on Mondays, but just use this to try to inform the country a little bit more about details you may be overlooking. We just had two pilots on. I, I feel like pilots just tell us it's 10 minutes to make us feel better, knowing that it's not going to be. I think that's kind of how life works sometimes, putting the pain on layaway. With Will Kane today. <laughs> Scott on Twitter tells us his dad is an air traffic controller. Pilots are notorious liars, <laughs> comma, apparently. <laughs> right, because we just had two pilots on that said it's not really us. The paperwork, we're all getting from air traffic. We're the messengers, really. Yeah, we just, I mean, hell, I just got a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Want some wings? <laughs> it's the Rosilla Show on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's the Amazon Black Friday Deals Week. Get free shipping on millions of items with eligible orders over $25 now through November 24th. So NFL-wise, you're going to talk about your Cowboys a little bit later. Booger McFarland, Tim Hasselbeck, so NFL college. Let's start with college. Jim Mora fired by UCLA, six seasons with him as the head coach. They lose to USC on Saturday night, a competitive game where they were like a 16-point, 14-point dog, depending on where you looked at it. But Mora's out, and it's not even the question of Mora disease. You deserve this. We understand what happened. You had Rosen. You had him for three years. It didn't get any better. You're out. If you're Chip Kelly, do you want to go to UCLA or Florida? Man, I go back and forth. Back and forth. On what he what you would do or what he should do? Well, they're one and the same. I can't I think I don't know that I would do anything different than Chip Kelly. Here's the deal. Let me lay it out for you. Here's the pros and cons. At first I'm like, it's UCLA. I would rather go to UCLA. And here's the argument for UCLA. A in capital letters, it's in Westwood. Los Angeles, California, Westwood. What are you saying about Gainesville? I'm saying that UCLA is in Westwood. Okay. And it is nice. And I also think Chip has a proven record of success on the West Coast. I think that California is one of the biggest recruiting bases in the nation, and the only school that apparently can have any success in pulling them in is USC. And the truth of the matter is USC has a pretty national recruiting base. They're pulling guys from everywhere. California, I think, is ripe for somebody to go in and just dominate. I've always thought that UCLA is a little bit like the New York Knicks, a program that is completely underperforming, a franchise you could take over and take to the top. And I feel like Chip, going to the West Coast, recruiting from that base, could make UCLA what I've always thought UCLA could be. And then I remember Florida's a top five job. Florida's a better job. Right? Yes. So as much as USC's been better, and I'd say in Southern California, because Stanford's done a great job recruiting, so you don't want to say the whole state, as if none of the other You've schools. You've got to be able to beat right. Stanford. Their academic requirements are too high. Right, and that was part of the problem, they'd say, with UCLA, that their standards are higher than USC. I don't know. A lot of this stuff sounds like excuse-making, even though it's not necessarily inaccurate. But I don't know what Chip is going to do. I would think, yes, yeah, stay out on the West Coast. You already have those recruiting connections. You've already recruited in that area. His whole thing at Oregon was what we run we can bring a few of those guys up. I don't have to have a roster stacked with all these four- and five-star guys. I can figure out a way to make it work. I mean, the guy only lost seven games while I was at Oregon. I'd argue during that time, Chip never lost a game where you go, that's a bad loss. That loss makes no sense. That's how good of a job he did at Eugene. So why couldn't he do that again at UCLA? And doesn't UCLA, between the two of them, seem like the easier reincarnation of Oregon? It seems like the logical, you know, next version of Oregon. Well, it does, and, and we have brought up when you're hiring Chip, what are you hiring? But I think even though it's not going to be as different as it was when Oregon first got this thing rolling, back when he wasn't even the head coach yet, and you go, what are they doing up there? And more people are doing it. I trust that Chip would figure out a way. I do. Now, 
I don't know which one he prefers. People that talk about Chip say UCLA. But what I've heard is that it's not so much not wanting to go to the SEC as maybe I originally thought. It's not so much the connections on the West Coast that would make all the sense in the world. But if UCLA's moved on from the $12 million buyout with Mora, then that means they're ready to go some big game hunting here. That if Chip is in the room and he trusts the people that pitch him more, then that's that's the difference maker. It's not geography. It's not conference. It's not legacy. It's not who am I replacing and all these different things. He's in a fishbowl in Gainesville far more than he is if he's out in Westwood. But if he just likes the presentation and trusts the people and the support around him, he's going to pick that school. And I don't know which one that is. I don't know how the pitches are going to go down because we had all these rumors about Chip and what he was doing. Apparently they have met, although there was a report that there was a plane coming up here to Hartford. I don't know any, you know, I, I, I don't think they had food here at the cafeteria. Uh, but here is Chip being really evasive on the whole thing. I was in New Hampshire last week, so I really enjoy what I'm doing now. I think Florida is an outstanding program and, and uh, has had so much success there with Urban, Steve Spurrier. I think whoever gets that job will be really lucky. Okay, and you weren't here. No, you I wasn't in New in Hampshire. Bristol. I'm on Bristol on the weekends. Bristol on the weekends. I'm in New Hampshire during the week. Let me just lay out two more things on this sort of teeter-tottering. Number one, life is about expectations. Succeeding is largely a matter of what you're expected to do. Dan Mullen and Kevin Sumlin have similar records at Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Kevin Sumlin's on the firing block, and Dan Mullen's rumored to go to a bigger program. Why? Because of expectations. But on the other side of the equation, if you're Chip and you go to Florida and you get fired five years down the road, you know where else you can still get a job? UCLA. If you go to UCLA and it doesn't work out, you never get that Florida chance again. That's true. I don't know if you're as accomplished as Chip is in the college level if you think that way, though. He doesn't think. We do that a lot, and and nothing you said there is inaccurate. But if it's the actual person that has to make the decision, somebody that sees greatness in themselves, and Chip's thinking he got screwed in Philadelphia, and he's thinking the San Francisco thing was a joke. Like, what was I supposed to do? And then I'm out after one year? Like, are you guys kidding me? He's not looking in the mirror seeing some failure, so I don't think he's making the decision going, What's the better soft yeah. spot landing after this one doesn't work out? If I screw up in Florida, <laughs> right. I can still get like, If You're he right. takes the Florida job, he thinks he's going to be awesome at Florida, and I don't really know why he would think any differently. You're totally right. The other rumor that's awesome with Will Kane here on the Rosillo Show is Gruden again. Off-season, Gruden is a dangerous one, and there was a report that he was at this restaurant in Knoxville, Calhoun's, with Peyton Manning, and apparently nobody got a picture of it, and the restaurant was even tweeting out, like, our waiter said that that's who it was, and then ends up not being that person. Okay, so I don't know. Nobody in the, like, the... The Bruce Feldmans, the Andy Staples, the Pat Forties, our guys. Like, there's no one that I've read that says Gruden's going to Knoxville. And he went on with Mike and Mike last week to address these rumors. And I think he deserves to give us, and I'll, let me preface this. This is going to be very popular, what I'm about to do. But I think he should give us a more concise answer. Here he is. All I really have in my life is, is my family and football. That's about it. And uh, I'm real sensitive to the coaches that are out there coaching, so I don't speculate I just love football. I'm trying to hang on to the job I have. I'm very fortunate to be with the people I'm I'm with. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just know this. I'm going to continue to give my best effort to the game, stay prepared, and uh, I love Monday night football. Don't plan on leaving, but as you know in life, you never say never to nothing. Okay, concise is the wrong word. What I should have said is I think we deserve forthcoming. It's going to be weird because it sounds like I'm in another guy's pocket, and it's also a coworker. Although I don't, not like I see Gruden every day. Um, 
if Gruden doesn't take the Tennessee job, if he actually has no interest in the Tennessee job, he can be more revealing in that answer. Can or should? He should be. But if he wants the Tennessee job, or if he's interested in the Tennessee job... Then I have no problem with him being vague. Like, these guys are all vague. They're, they're vague all the time. But I do think that... You're saying you have, if there's no legitimate interest, why talk that way? Yeah. If Gruden goes, I don't even want it, then he should answer... Like, if he ends up staying here Monday night or took another job, say, in the NFL in the offseason, I'd rather him be more specific in that answer well, than be that would. vague. Of course you would, because you're in the media and you want to know what's going on. Yeah, but this feels different because it's every single offseason with this stuff, and it makes me think he likes it. Okay, so you see Chip's evasive answer differently than Gruden's evasive answer, because they were both equally evasive. Yes, yes. yes. And well, you see them that? differently. Yes. All right, I'll explain that next with Will Kane here the Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. So I want to finish up on what I was talking about, because I don't, I don't know that I did it in the best possible way. I could have been more thorough in my explanation. But Gruden went on with Mike and Mike last week, was asked about the Tennessee rumors because that's what happens every offseason with Gruden and all these different jobs. And then he comes back and, and works for us on Monday Night Football. So here was his answer again. All I really have in my life is, is my family and football. That's about it. And uh, I'm real sensitive to the coaches that are out there coaching, so I don't speculate. I just love football. I'm trying to hang on to the job I have. I'm very fortunate to be with the people I'm, I'm with. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just know this. I'm going to continue to give my best effort to the game, stay prepared, and uh, I love Monday night football. Don't plan on leaving, but as you know in life, you never say never to nothing. Okay, I understand all those things. I understand as a football guy, you know, can miss it. He's become a really hot commodity after the fact, which is always kind of amazing when you're in the public spotlight enough, and he's so good on TV. I think he's become incredible as an analyst. And the Gruden, uh, the Gruden QB camp stuff, like it's just like everybody loves him. They loves his personality. But if I were a really important person at ESPN and a decision maker, I would go. Well, are we going to do this every off season? We do that now. If it ends up being better for him, if it allows him to renegotiate stuff for him, I don't want to be in another guy's pockets on this deal. I understand. It. Like it could be leverage play for him every off season. He gets a little bit more money. Um, all right, then that's fine. But if he has no interest in the Tennessee job, specifically the Tennessee job, then part of me thinks that he's this vague because he loves being talked about every offseason. And you think that's unfair? Yeah, I do. And you think that's unfair as compared to Chip Kelly's evasiveness, because he's equally evasive right now when asked about whether or not he wants to go to UCLA or Florida. And you're saying it's different because Gruden's is every year, where Kelly is doing it for the first Time really. This is Chip's third month here, and he's got a good gig, but it's not Monday Night Football, and all indications that he's going to jump back into this and coach whenever he can. Like, what if Gruden has no interest coaching? What if he has no interest in coaching at Tennessee? If he has no interest, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I mean, if he has no interest, it still serves him a personal purpose. I mean, creating that leverage you talked about from an employer's perspective, if not creating more money, creates more, I don't know, value. To you being there. I mean, I get it. I get why he, he would do it. I also get what you're saying. Like, after a while, as this game plays out, off-season after off-season, you know, if you're on the other side of that relationship, you might be, hey, are you with us? Like, what is this? He went on out in ESPN 710. This is up in Seattle. He was on with Brock Heward. And they were asking him when he was coming into Seattle for tonight's Monday Nighter, by the way, on ESPN 830 Eastern against the Atlanta Falcons. 
And this was unprompted, right? Totally unprompted. This was part of Gruden's answer on coming back to Seattle. When do you get to Seattle? Hey, I get in Saturday, and I can't wait to get out there. Hope to see you guys. Uh, and your viewers heading out to Knoxville and uh, just be singing that song, man. That's a great song, Rocky Top. What the hell is uh, what the hell is that? So I'm sure some are listening to me do this, going, you know, how dare you? Who are you? I'm like, I, yeah, totally. But I'd rather be this than because I technically work with somebody, never suggesting like, what are we doing? What are we doing every off season? I'm not a very important person here, okay? But if You're I were to me, <laughs> thank you, Will. But if if I were a really important person, I would understand the leverage play. I'm I'm not knocking that at all. But if Gruden has no interest in the Tennessee job at all and is doing that, well, we'll never know, man. Honestly, well, we will when he doesn't take it. Well, that won't tell us if he ever had any interest. Just tell us that ultimately he did not have the interest. Do you think if Gruden, you really did, will never know. You uh, could never. You, Okay, do you think Gruden would rather coach in Knoxville or wait for the right NFL job? I don't know because I think Gruden could have pretty much any job he wants. Yeah. And if you any can, job he wants. Unless there's some heartstring things going on there in Knoxville, there's better jobs for Gruden if and when he wants them. And yeah, I think it's different because Chip's been here a couple of months. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree. So to watch out, Chip. Ryan's watching. <laughs> <laughs> We have not done this yet. The Raiders got destroyed in Mexico City against the New England Patriots and Marshawn Lynch. And I believe the number's only at five, which surprised me when I read it this morning. Five NFL players uh, not standing or kneeling for the national anthem. Uh, So that number, I think, lower than you would have thought. But the fact that Marshawn sat for the national anthem but then stood for the Mexican anthem uh, had Trump worked up. And I'll admit, like, I kind of went, oh. That's what we're doing. Well, didn't everyone? Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I, I think if you are, I, I would imagine if you are like, yes, I'm glad. I like the players protesting and all those things. Do you then go cool, even cooler? He stood for the Mexican anthem, or is that where some would go? Eh, that's. I mean, what are you? What are you doing there? What are you? Are you? Are you celebrating day-to-day life in Mexico if you're not standing for the national anthem, saying, okay, the oppressed relations, all the things that are wrong with America, but yes, Mexico, they have it figured out. Now I'm standing. No. What you're doing is you're walking through the world with very few brain cells firing on what's actually happening around the world around you. You have a loose grasp of controversy and issues and don't know how to apply it to different situations as they come up before you in your life. Let me give you, let me make that a little more tangible. You suspect that the United States has some issues between law enforcement and the African American community. But yet, when you go to Mexico, you don't realize that the police there have a long history of just disappearing folks. That the record of human rights abuses in Mexico is among the most atrocious in the world. Because really, you know what? In the end, America's the bad guy. That's the place you got to sit for the national anthem. Here, this is uh, among the, I guess, more enlightened parts of the world. Because you know what? It's not America. That 
is what's going on. Yeah, I don't have a problem with anybody kneeling. I'm less affected by it um, than, I, than I was a year ago. A year ago, I was like, hey, come on, man. And now I'm like, all right, I get it. That's fine. We can have a difference of opinion. I'm not going to get worked up about it. I think most things in life we all just sort of move on from. I go, you know what? This just doesn't have – I couldn't come on a show on a Monday being like, here are the five guys that didn't stand for the national anthem. But this is being extra. This is being – I get it here, or I think I get it in the United States, and is an even more of a diss to the whole pregame routine. I'm going to stand for Mexico, and you go, okay, well, does that mean that he doesn't have any problems? He wants to be indifferent through the whole thing? I guess you could play that deal, but you're right. Like, I went through it. Do you think Mexico has it figured out? I mean, that's what you just said is true. The poverty rate is at the same level as some African countries. You're like, wait a minute, what? 47% live in poverty in Mexico? You want to talk about dispersal of wealth. So now this becomes a free Mexico. Why don't we talk about corruption? Yeah. Why don't we have, talk about law enforcement, police brutality, murders? So you think <laughs> if he's going to not stand for the, the national anthem, he cannot, he cannot then stand for the Mexican anthem? Well, you're not... For any broad concept of justice, you're not for like things that ring eternal, regardless of national borders. You're making more a po- more pointed statement about the red, white, and blue, and its flaws, its sins, which pale in comparison to the national anthem you choose to stand for immediately after that. No one likes the get out argument. Okay, it's it's what, not love, fair. Love it or leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fair. It's it's simplistic. Oh, you don't like it? Get out of here. You know. But this one kind of feels like, oh, really? Like you think you'd be better off in Mexico? What's the Raiders' record? Are they four and? Are they four and six? Six now. What's what am I missing? I'm just. I'll pull it up right now. But what, what's the record have to do with it? I mean, what what's the point in keeping Marshawn around? You're not winning this year. You sign up for that nonsense. The team is clearly not right. Um, well, you know, look, you're not you're not totally out of it with the way the Chiefs are playing in that division. That's true. And you have the win against them. Four and six may get you in at some point. Yeah, and then <laughs> a division, record out in the AFC. A division that we thought was great. So I don't know. Did you guys do this this morning? You, they did it. No, first only, you didn't do it. Only loosely, and it came up. Actually, in relationship to Jerry Jones and his fight against Roger Goodell. And I made this point. This was my only point and why I brought up Marshawn Lynch, what they had talked about earlier in the show. There's a difference between being right and doing right. And I'm referencing Donald Trump now at this point, who tweeted about Marshawn Lynch over the weekend. And my point is this. Donald Trump's right. It's completely disrespectful that Marshawn Lynch did what he did. It's completely out of bounds in my estimation. So Donald Trump is right. But the president tweeting about it is not doing right like you can go around in the world just being right and then you have to make a decision about whether or not you're doing right i think jerry's right just to complete that analogy in most of his fight with the nfl i'm not sold on the job roger goodell's doing i'm not sold on the ezekiel suspension but jerry's like burn the house down fight isn't doing right being right is not no, lead you to always doing the right thing it's a really good point like i think in a different way, the Marshawn thing, it bothers me a little bit more. You go, so wait a minute, you, you've got it all figured out on this side, and this is this is what you're opposed to, but then it's just okay. But maybe he was just doing it because like, all right, we're in Mexico City. I don't want to be just. But 
the amount of time people I know that they waste getting mad about the president's tweets at this point, like, don't you see the game? Don't you get it? Exactly. Like, of course, this is a layup for him. The same way the LeVar Ball thing is a layup for him. And you can say this is unbecoming of the president and whatever your politics are. Like, I, I understand. But how do you still get mad about these tweets less than a year in? You already know what's coming. When you see that tweet from the president, you do have to know you're getting played. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, hey, layup, core, boom, stand, should be suspended, send. And then, you know, smart people, friends of mine, that get so worked up about it and let it ruin their day. Let me ask you a question. I I don't get it. Like, Why do you do that to yourself anymore? When NFL teams have gone over to the... To London, to the UK. There yeah. have been other players who have stood for the UK anthem uh, and knelt for the American national anthem. Do you see that as the same? Would you have applied the same criticism to a player? Because we didn't, but we did with Marshawn this time. We didn't do it when that occurred in England. Um, probably because there's never a point where I've thought of England as being as messed up as Mexico. That's right. It's because if you're truly for justice and truly against human rights abuses... That's not the place you do what you just did. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.